0: All right.
1: Hello. Uh, welcome to our, our second bonus pod here at the Stanford Politics Podcast. We just watched Trump's State of the Union address, uh, live. and now, yeah, we watched it live, in color, sick projector. <laughs> in in my dorm room in, in Lantana. Um, and now we're gonna talk about what we thought and what this means for politics uh, going forward. So, I think we we can talk about sort of the content of his speech and, like, the the tone, like, way he spoke the demeanor separately. Um, So, do we want to start sort of with the demeanor?
0: Yeah, yeah, like, overall vibe.
2: First, do we want to do, like, just overall expectations? Yeah. Kind of, like, general hot takes on the whole thing?
0: Expectations or, like, going before we went in or, like, initial reactions?
2: Um, Yeah, just initial... I don't know. I'm I'm thinking maybe, like, a broad overview before we do specific subcategories of analysis. I think it it pretty much lived up to what I expected.
1: Um, You know, it wasn't, like, Trump's stump speech where he just rambles about whatever, but it wasn't... It wasn't a super prosaic, beautiful political speech. You know, it was a classic... Trump reading off the teleprompter, occasionally adding his own expletives in.
0: Adding a yeah. lot of adjectives, like poorly placed adjectives. Yeah, a lot of, like, <laughs>
1: tremendous, amazing. Sadly. yeah, We didn't get any biglies, which yeah. was a little disappointing. Yeah. Um, but overall, I don't think there were any huge, like, surprises in terms of demeanor.
2: I'd agree yeah. with that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it was exactly what I expected. He was, um, like you said, he read from The Thing... Um, he, in terms of content, there was some stuff that like took me a little bit off guard. Uh, a lot of it was exactly what I expected it to be. Um, but yeah, in general, it was what I expected. It was like a decent speech. It was relatively composed and, you know, quote unquote presidential. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure we'll see a lot of analysis that overstates that in the coming few days. Without a doubt. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. Nothing too incredibly remarkable from the speech.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Not much to add. Pretty standard. So what speech did he give? That uh, I would say it's very similar to like his joint address to Congress. Right. Like that sort of vibe. Um, right. Yeah. So, I was expecting it just as much.
1: Right. It certainly opened... In the beginning, I felt like it was very prosaic. And I was like, wow, yeah, this is a cause new Yeah, he was Trump. sticking to the yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. And Speech. I wrote down, he said, like, a new tide of optimism and a yeah. righteous vision. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. The beginning
2: was more... Eloquent. Eloquent in that yeah, way. For sure.
1: But then he, there was a great quote towards the end where he said, unfortunately, we are not there yet, sadly. And he <laughs> yeah. was just like, yep, this is the Donald Trump we know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Okay, so now into the overall... Oh, wait, did we just yeah. do that?
1: That was sort of demeanor. That right? was demeanor. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very rough uh, field pod we're doing, yeah. there, so <laughs> <bear> there <with laughs> us of some slack, we'll find it by your guys. <laughs> um, so I guess should we talk about content? What we thought? Yeah,
0: I think sure. demeanor was yeah. pretty standard. Other than I think maybe we could talk about like his reaction towards like the gangs and like MS thirteen real quick.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that that falls under both content and demeanor. Yeah. Um, there was quite a bit of fear mongering there. I feel like. MS-13 is a bigger problem for Trump than it is for anyone else. Yeah, mm-hmm. He seems to be much more concerned with it than because I am. Because yeah. it
0: gives him, like, the political, like, um... What is the word? It gives him, like, to talk about MS-13 so much gives him the justification to pass a lot of this anti-immigration legislation. Right, right. So, like, that's, like, how he justifies, so, like, oh, like, I'm blocking El Salvadorians because a lot of them come and join this dangerous gang. Um... But yeah.
2: It also seems to me like he placed like an especially strong amount of emphasis on his hardline immigration policies um, in order to compensate for what, for softer immigration policies, like the path to citizenship, which like was pretty diametrically opposed to some things he supported in the campaign and some of his Republican colleagues support. So I can see that being like kind of a political calculation. Um, yeah, lots of fear mongering with the immigration stuff. Uh, I think one of the more egregious things, egregiously false things he said was regarding chain migration, yeah. quote unquote chain migration. Right. Um, I wrote down the quote, I think he said, currently immigrants can bring in virtually unlimited distant relatives, which I am, was fairly sure was false and confirmed with some news sources on my Twitter feed. Um, yeah. Sort of in real time that that was definitely not true, and that it's very misleading. Um, I also felt like the my
1: immigration just was like a huge part of this. It was a huge, terms huge, of huge part. Yeah. Um, and I was surprised by how much emphasis he put on immigration. Also, with that chain <sighs> migration comment, that seemed to be the only time anyone in the crowd reacted negatively. There was like a lot
2: of right. like negative reaction. I'd say there. it was one of the most divisive. That was definitely the most divisive portion yeah. of the speech. Yeah. Um, Perhaps his nuclear weapons comment might be more
1: divisive. Yeah, right. I
0: would say that would be
2: right. That one was cool. Yeah, per, yeah, that's definitely up there. So then, um, I thought another notable moment, talking about divisive moments, when he mentioned the African American unemployment rate being at an yes. all time low. Yeah. The like and then they flashed the, the black anger <laughs> of the black caucus was so palpable; it was unbelievable. Oh, um, man, that was, oh, and there nice. was over this like raucousing roar of like largely white congress members right, clapping. Right. Yeah, um, I thought that was pretty, pretty notable contrast. There was a similar moment when he he ended
1: some line with "This is why we stand for the national anthem." Right. And again, they cut to the congressional black caucus, and no one was clapping, no one was smiling, um, and it was just like
2: a direct attack at Colin Kaepernick and all that. Right. Yeah. Lots of, in general, lots of anecdotes. We talked about this while we were watching, but, um, I mean, he had the police officer and his wife and the adopted baby. He had the North Korean, uh, uh, defector. Right. He had the store owner and the welder. He had the MS-13 victim. He had Otto Warmbier's parents. He, like, and he not only had those as guests, but had those. He highlighted, like, all of those stories in his speech. Yeah.
1: And I was surprised um, how diverse... The,
0: yeah, that's what I was going to comment the crowd yeah.
2: anecdotes. There was, like, a black, like, single
1: father. There yeah. was, like, a female veteran.
0: There were the... The victims of the MS-13 shooting were, bo- were both families of color. Right. The North Korean victim. Yeah. That was, I thought, was, like, definitely something we should commend him on. Yeah. Right. Or at least his political team on.
2: I mean, I think the... Like, the stories are good, and I mean, I certainly know, I have no problem with them being there. I think my concern is just that, like, I think and I think this is especially predominant in... I mean, it's predominant in politics in general, but it's, a, like, relatively frequent tactic of the Trump people is, you know, a... a you, there's a word for this in, like, statistics, but basically pointing out one phenomenon or something and using it to make an overgeneralization about right. one thing. Like stereotyping. Right, stereotyping. Yeah. so... Yeah. Right, so, like you know you tra- like there's you know obviously like the victims of the family of the girls who were like targeted by MS13 like that's tragic obviously everyone's heart is truly broken for them but that is not grounds to say that like that gang is as much of a problem as he claims it is in our country much less that it's like directly related to our immigration right policy um, and i just those situations get on my nerves because people it's it very easily manipulates the psychology i think of normal folks who like aren't like remarkably uh in tune
1: with the news so i think one thing that i found interesting aside from immigration i felt like most of his discussion of policy was not at all in line with sort of republican orthodoxy Definitely. he talked about like lowering drug prices he talked about infrastructure yeah. he talked about criminal justice paid reform leave. yeah paid family leave Um yeah Which, a lot of those things... And
0: and they were all, like, bang, bang, bang in a row. I was just like, whoa.
1: And, like, I I felt like in the beginning, he sort of rattled off all of his, like, accomplishments, which were all sort of classic Republican things, like lowering taxes and, you know, all these sort of, like, fiscal conservative things. But then, when he was talking about his plan for, for the future, it was a lot of, like, classically, like, democratic goals. And it yeah. almost felt like a Hillary Clinton speech. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've... <laughs> I like, a, uh, for like, two the paid family yeah. Yeah. really got me. Well, no,
2: the drug prices thing is a big deal because he campaigned on that. Right. And, and it didn't do it at all. Basically. And is a great, a great policy initiative to take on. But then, like... It was early in his administration, or maybe it was even in his transition. Like he started meeting with all the big pharma people because he was like, "We're going neg- to negotiate our drug prices." Right, which is antithetical. Yeah, because he's <laughs> a part of the deal. Because he's <laughs> the best dealmaker he's, we've ever seen. Um, you know, yeah, because he's like he's a negotiator, and um, then he meets with these drug price drug representatives, and that obviously is antithetical to what they want from the government. And he came out and was like, oh, no, no, like you know, they, we're not going to do that. And I mean, right. you know, so he didn't touch drug prices in his first year. Right. Um, so, I mean, if he's genuinely, look, I mean, I guess if this, with, you know, 30 minutes out from the speech, we can take his word for it and just hope he really does address the problem because it's a huge problem. But Well, I think there's you know, this sort time of will tell. back and forth between
1: Donald Trump and congressional Republicans, because these were mostly things he also talked about during the campaign. But they're not things that Paul Ryan or Mitch McConnell want to make priorities. And so I think he does want to do these things, or at least pretends to believe he does. But he's not—you know, congressional Republicans don't, and that—unless he's willing to compromise and work with Democrats, he's not going to get these things done. Right. He didn't do it last year, and I, I don't see that happening yeah, next year uh, or in the next three years.
0: Me neither. Yeah. Um- it's, like, telling that he spent, like, five minutes on that, like, section of democratic policy, and then, like, the next 20 minutes were, like, immigration. Right, yeah,
2: aggressive, yeah. yeah. And then talking about liberal, flirt, like, flirting with liberal policies, the bit about giving inmates a second chance? Yeah. Yeah. I was really, like, blown away by that. I mean, that's, like... I was impressed. I mean, this guy is, like, tough on crime, <laughs> right. you know, man of the year. Like, I don't know, I was just really surprised, so... We'll I don't. I'm. I'm interested to see. I mean, just based upon the past, it's like seems like a fair conclusion that none of this is like. You know, Donald Trump doesn't have any firm policy beliefs that he like holds near and dear to his heart, other than corporate taxes, maybe. I don't know. Um, and so, I'm interested what the political strategy of the White House is behind. You know, moving to the center on some of these issues. Right. Um,
0: maybe they saw this as like a time to show. Everybody that Donald Trump is a president for everyone, not just yeah. a president <laughs> for his constituents. Right.
2: Which
0: is an important
2: thing.
1: Just triangulating. Thing to, yeah. One comment that I thought was particularly, I don't know, a little jarring was towards the beginning of his speech, he talked about um, making it easier for cabinet members to fire government employees. Yeah. And like, hinted oh yeah, at like, I remember that. firing employees <laughs> who don't agree with him. Um, yeah. And a couple people I followed on Twitter were just like all over that. Um <laughs> That's funny. And then he ended with, like, that just seems very, like, authoritarian. But then he ended the speech with this, like, grand, like, you know, he was just, like, extolling the virtues of democracy. I felt like that was a weird, I don't know, a weird discord. Yeah, there. Yeah.
2: yeah. well, I mean, it's discordant with a lot of his <laughs> yeah, exactly. general habits. but So I was actually surprised that, I mean, he spent a good bit of time with immig- on uh, non-immigration, infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I thought it was yeah. going to be more of a central theme of the speech. It was more just just like a piece. Yeah. Um, and I'm interested to see, like, if that happened. I'm interested to see if Democrats will work with him on infrastructure. Yeah. I hope they do. Yeah. Um, well, he's he. I have to say you he too. I mean, I'm a firm believer in it. But Just
0: not border wall infrastructure. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: roads, bridges. Yeah. But he said, I think 1.5 trillion dollars is what he wanted yeah, to spend. But then he crazy. was quick to be like, but we're going to partner with state and local governments and the private yeah. sector. <laughs> so I don't know how much of that the federal government's actually contributing. Yeah.
2: Right.
0: Something else that I found interesting was that almost I felt like every other line, he was like, tonight I am passing legislation yeah. that this will happen. <laughs> yeah, that's and very And I was true. like, tonight's a busy night for the Congress. Um, who knows how much of that stuff will actually be passed or, yeah. like, introduced tonight. Um,
1: I think a couple of things that he didn't talk about that mm-hmm. surprised me, um, or maybe didn't surprise me, I think gun control was, was notably absent. He mentioned... He did mention the he second mentioned, the Second Amendment, he mentioned, like, Las Vegas, and he mentioned mm-hmm. that congressman who had been shot, but they were all sort of in the context of, like, look at these heroes who've survived yeah. gun violence, and then nothing about combating gun violence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he, like, mentioned Russia, I think, once, and it yeah. was, like, a very quiet, like, Russia may be an enemy of ours economically. Yeah,
0: like Russia and China. Around.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um,
0: I thought that was dangerous in a speech.
2: Yeah. Are you guys surprised that he didn't make any sort of reference towards, like, the investigation or the... I feel like that was sort the, of the elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, because I will say, I mean, I don't know if this is, like, to his credit. I don't know. This is, like, just a neutral observation. It was it was a policy-driven speech. Yeah. Like, it wasn't... There wasn't a lot of, like, with some exceptions, there wasn't a lot of fluffy political... Right. Well, I don't want to say that. There was a lot of fluffy political rhetoric. There wasn't... A, you know what I mean. It yeah. was about policy. Yeah. It was about his agenda. Well, I read, there's an article, I think, in Politico
1: a couple of days ago about how in 1994, the State of the Union was like five days after the Lewinsky scandal broke, and the Bill Clinton's State of the Union heavily focused on policy as a means of sort of not addressing the scandal and like making it seem like a non-issue. So I think it's possible the speechwriters yeah. here like took a cue out of that playbook to just not yeah. talk about Russia.
2: Well, to be fair, I don't know what they would say. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's like...
0: <laughs> I think it's a good political yeah. move for them to not have brought it up.
2: Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree.
0: Um, but I do think, like, his foreign policy stuff is what, like, really interested me, um, foreign policy not. that, and it was, like, imagine if, like, Xi Jinping had gotten up and been, like, the USA is one of our economic competitors. Right. There can only be one superpower, and the way yeah. to do that is to increase our military. Like, that would be terrifying, you know? Like, and yeah. we would not, that's not something that will play well in the international stage. So, um... That was, I'm not sure, like, the great, the best foreign policy move. He talked about recognizing Jerusalem, talked about um, decreasing foreign aid. Right. Which I thought, like, I mean, I I expected as much. um, That's very classic, like, Republican um, foreign policy stance. And then the scary, scary scary part was the North Korean nuclear situation.
1: I'm still shocked that, I just don't even think anyone else any Republican would call for, like, expanding the nuclear arsenal. Just, Why?
0: Why would you like, do that?
1: Like, we've, we've come so far in terms of, like, yeah. non-proliferation. and oh, God. I feel like it's just a generally accepted thing that we all agree that, like, nukes are bad, and we should do our best. And we sign like,
0: treaties. We're just like, oh, yeah. we should chill out on nucle- nuclear weapons because they kill everybody.
2: I don't really get the I don't really get the politics of that either. I mean, it's like it doesn't seem to fit into the more classical conservative, like, you know, strong. If, mi- I mean, I guess it does like the fit the conservative pocket, strong like, military yeah. narrative, but it seems like you can have that without the nuclear, like, the nuclear gaslighting. I agree. Um, I don't know, but yeah, it's a little freaky. Yeah, yeah and I don't. also
1: he he mentioned like. There will be a day where we won't need nuclear weapons, but we're not there yet. Yeah. And I and it wasn't like we're working towards that day. It was like we're gonna ramp up our nuclear production until we finally get that day. That day. day. Yeah. Like yeah, We're not gonna get there if we just keep going through an arms race. Yeah,
2: I thought also like I was very confused as to what the message on North Korea was as like what you know. I mean, obviously, it was a message of strength and you know, and deterrence. But was it? a pathway to peaceful negotiations? Was it more of just a middle finger? You yeah. Know, I mean was, I it was I was kind of iffy on um, I mean unsurprisingly I guess, but yeah, I wasn't totally sure what like the articulated strategy was there.
1: Yeah. And I think interesting to note, he talked about he like brought out this guy who was a refugee from North Korea and Donald Trump's current refugee ban would ban getting new refugees from North Korea.
2: Is so he I think he, he said he lives in Seoul actually. Oh, that. I that, mean, that. I, what you, the latter part of what you're saying yeah, is yeah. Oh. true, but yeah. just to, you know. I feel like there's, I mean, not surprisingly,
1: there was some hypocrisy there. Yeah.
0: I'm honestly just, like, very scared about this whole, like, foreign policy aspect. Like, actually very concerned. Like, especially when he was talking about, like, there can only be one superpower. The only way to peace is, like, if we increase our military. And, like, that type of, like, hegemonic power theory is, like... Yeah, yeah sort of been disproved. Like, not, like, obviously there's a lot of debate in, like, this fe- in, in the field. But especially, I think the way moving forward is for us to be peaceful with China and other rising powers instead of just being like, we're going to ramp up our military. Suck it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Especially because China is, like, one of our biggest trading partners. Right. Like, if he's going to, like, stick the middle finger to China... That's not a smart economic move. Right, we right. know that. He, as a business person, probably does tons and tons of business with China, right. which is why I just this made absolutely no sense to me.
1: Um, I do think he he didn't talk a lot about any sort of economic plan going forward. I guess in the yeah. beginning he addressed like the tax bill and, and right. that and talked a lot about how the economy has been growing. But there wasn't much talk of, like, future trade deals or sort of yeah. future changes in terms of economic policy. Yeah, I
2: mean, he did the spiel on the renegotiating the trade deals, but it wasn't a lot. Right. And it was I mean, sort I of devoid of substance. He's so. I think the stock market is so... I mean, is doing well and is, like, is high. Um, and I think he's so obsessed with that. And, right. And, I mean, the economy is doing well. And so, I mean, I guess it's, like... You know, I would argue that it's not doing as well as like the stock, like the economy as a whole is not doing as well as the stock market is because the stock market is not indicative of the economy in the whole. Um, But I think, you know, it's easy for his administration to just check, check the economic box with the tax cuts and move on while the economy is still doing well, which, you know, it won't be forever. And, you know, that'll be an interesting situation when we get there. But, Yeah. um, yeah. He, so I just like made some
1: tallies while well. I was watching. He mentioned Make America Great Again twice. Uh, once in the beginning, once at the end. And then yeah. there were three different references to God, mm-hmm. um, which I thought those were
2: all interesting. God, like, the word specifically, or just faith in general? Just sort of like calls to faith. Yeah,
1: um, he There were, I think, two in the beginning and then one towards the end. It almost felt like more than three.
2: They were yeah, strong, Very possible was very... And based some of them but yeah. I think it was yeah well but I mean I'm just more I'm not saying you missed any I'm more than saying they were very like strong yeah you know what I mean like well at that one point he he leans into the
1: microphone and
2: says like our
1: motto is in God we trust and yeah he sort yeah. of yelled it <laughs> um, he did a lot of leaning into the microphone to like Yelling. yell points and, yeah
2: and clapping into the microphone which just yeah. was unpleasant uh, let's talk about the politics of standing ovations mm <laughs> i thought it was so interesting because you see like i mean obviously the republican caught co- like the republicans stand and cheer like at every sentence As, yeah.
0: yeah i mean and
2: that's not i mean that you know democrats do the same thing when obama gave the state of the union it's right. not like a party thing but i think with trump it's a little different maybe because there's like a different expectation on democrat on certain democrats at least to like maybe not stand sometimes right like, you saw Marco Rubio didn't stand when Trump was talking about immigration. Yeah. Um, like, Democrats stood for some things or would, like, applaud for some things. but right. stand- I don't know. I, this yeah. is, like, a very fluffy uh, <laughs> and rather meaningless talk topic, but I think it's pretty interesting. Well, I think it... <laughs> it was fun
0: to, like, notice, like, when they would pan, like, back to the Democrats. Like, right. Like, who was sitting? Like, Bernie Sanders being, like... Right. Stone cold face and... The Black Caucus. Um.
1: I noticed that a number of Democrats stood to applaud, like, paid family leave mm-hmm. and yep. criminal justice reform. And it, I mean, the, it was hard to tell on this projector, but it seemed like like they were a little bit surprised to hear these things. Like yeah. Maybe Klobuchar looked, like, genuinely, like, a
2: little confused, but like, <laughs> happily so. I um, wonder, like, I wonder if in, in the moments before the speech, if they sit down with their staff and are like, okay. Like if he says a policy we generally support, do we applaud even though right, we we really? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> But do we stand? Do right. we
0: applaud? When do we not stand? Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then there's all the whole politics of just coming or not coming. There yeah. are a lot of members yeah. of the House. How many of the House didn't come? I, I know. know Maxine Waters and John Lewis. John Lewis, John yeah.
0: Lewis from Atlanta represents Ruth Bader
2: Ginsburg didn't come. Um, What's the but? There's a
1: reason for that. She's like giving a speech somewhere else. Oh, but I she definitely like knows. Well, like yeah, the
2: there's some yeah. politics yeah. there.
0: Um, uh, I know John Lewis also didn't attend the inauguration. Yeah. he's He's been very, like, consistent with yeah, his,
2: like... Did practice. you guys see Mike Huckabee's terrible tweet when he was like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg can't attend the inauguration because they, she can't bring in her sleep apnea machine. Oh, my gosh. And then tweeted a picture of her, like, nodding off last <laughs> year. <laughs> she <laughs> did fall kidding? asleep yeah. doing Obama. Yeah, I was, like, I was <laughs> blown away by yeah. that. I was like, <laughs> oh, my bold, God. Bold. I Huckabee make some bold statements on Twitter. I gotta tell you
1: what. <laughs> There was another aggressive tweet beforehand. <laughs> I don't know his name, but some Republican congressman tweeted about bringing in the Capitol Police to deport all of the dreamers that Democrats
2: were bringing as guests that to the speech. Um, oh, there. that brings me to one point that I wanted to make before we wrap up, which is I think the phrase, Americans are dreamers. Oh, yeah. I what, wrote that down. What a quote. I think that's I a I see that heck on stickers. A and yeah. Shirts so for what,
0: a long.
1: Time. What do we think? Because at first I thought that was like kind of powerful, but I, I read it as like we're all dreamers. Like I'm, you know, it, it's I felt like it was like bringing the dreamers into the like yeah. fold of who is an American. But it, then I was like,
2: order to take a me, gander and say that's not where <laughs> yeah, he right. was headed. The alternative that like American
1: <laughs> dreams should be put before you know the dreams of undocumented immigrants. And so I, yeah, um, yeah,
2: that was I a saw a big tweet statement. in real time that was like that's the new all lives matter, which I thought was a pretty apt comparison. Mm. Um, But I feel like it's, it's not all, like, at least all lives
1: matter is everyone. This is, like, if you, your response to black lives matter is white lives matter, you know?
2: Right. Well, but I guess just in the sense that, like, it's, it's just this kind of knee-jerk, equal, like, attempt at equalize, like, equivalency, you know? Response to that, to what Americans, particularly conservative Americans, feel is, like, a slight to their rights as citizens or something. Right. Um, but that was really the only time which he explicitly mentioned DACA. Yeah, I is think that so? Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so, yeah. but I thought I thought that was a, that was. I mean, I'm sure we'll see that um, again. You know that phrase. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. He was, I think speechwriter is very proud like, yeah. 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 for that. Yeah. But, I like
2: my
1: interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> we're all dreamers. We're all dreamers. Let's know. unite. No, we were all. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I guess not.
0: He never talked about the wall.
2: Never, yeah, yeah that's very true. That actually is a really good point. He never talked about the wall. I'm sure. <laughs> he probably wants his base to forget about the wall because <laughs> he knows that
0: it's not gonna happen.
2: Right. That wall is looking a little bit um unlikely.
0: But yeah, that that's one thing I remember like being like noticeably absent yeah, from yeah, like his wall. traditional like rah rah uh, speeches. What else? Talk about. Ooh. Another thing I'm very scared about, David Nuclear Deal.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah that was... That was he was very vague. He said, like, we need to end all the problems with the Iran nuclear deal, but yeah. he didn't really delineate what those problems are.
0: Telling you guys one thing. I have... On most things, I'm pretty flexible on, like, being open to, like, hearing the other side, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et There's two things that I will not hear the other side on. One of those is corn ethanol subsidies. And <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which
1: side of that are you on? What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. I hate corn in all. Okay. Well
1: you should never run for president because i In Iowa. Iowa I know. Yeah.
0: I know. That's why I hate Iowans.
1: And- Whoa. Wait a minute. <laughs> I spent six not six months. I spent a summer in Iowa and I can personally test that Iowans are lovely people. Um Garbage. and corn is a
2: wonderful We crop. love Iowa, okay? And <laughs> even all subsidies. We do not stand by the statement of one of our team members.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the second is the Iran nuclear deal. I the Iranian nuclear deal, an amazing piece of foreign policy legislation, keeping everybody safe, keeping Iranians safe, making sure the entire world moves forward instead of repeating, like, Bush's mistakes in, like, 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope it stays. hope Trump doesn't get rid of it, because um, it would be very dangerous to do so.
2: Yeah, it sounds like Omni is undecided. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On... <laughs>
0: <laughs> On that Iran nuclear deal, very, very, very scared. <laughs> All
1: right, so like a, a lightning round, a couple of yes or no questions. Okay. If you were, a, sort of an ambivalent like Trump supporter before, not sure what you thought of the president, does this speech push you one way or the other, or does it not change your mind?
2: It definitely pushes. If I if I'm an ambivalent Trump supporter, I'm definitely more pro. Maybe Trump. not a supporter. You're just sort of an ambivalent. Citizen. Okay, I'm definitely. I I think regardless of who I am. I'm more pro-Trump after After watching this speech. Me too. I mean, you know, I, like I, I have strong opinions about the president and at this point that speech doesn't change that. But I mean, I think we shouldn't underestimate the capacity of a speech like that to change the minds of Americans who don't, you know, read the news all the time and maybe tune into the State of the Union and they're like, so, you know, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah, Yeah. this guy's fine. Like, this guy seems like a normal president, you know? Um... Yeah. So I think that's a really important note. I did a little more than a yes or no on that. Yeah. <laughs> and this this next question is not yes
1: or no, but I, I guess as like a final point, how do we think this? What effect does this have, if any, on twenty eighteen in the midterms? Does this? I feel like there's a lot of talk about like a blue wave. Does this like stop the blue wave? Does this shore up Republicans' prospects?
0: Um. I think honestly, this very possible that it does help Republicans. I feel like he did make at least a concerted effort to, like, be relatively centrist. Maybe not, like, so extreme that it would push away moderates. Mm -hmm. Which is um, telling. So I think he, like, definitely made the speech and, like, chose his policies that he talked about in the context of these 2018 midterms. Mm -hmm. And, like, making sure, like, Americans, all Americans were, like, in the headspace to be like, oh, yeah, maybe he's not crazy.
1: Right. I think it it gives Republicans in 2018 sort of a pretty clear agenda to run on and one that's not that controversial. I mean, some, some of his immigration stuff is definitely controversial, but I think, you know, if I'm a Republican running for the House in 2018, I'm going to point to, like, the tax bill and all of the economic things that he named in the beginning as, like, successes, and then I'm going to talk about infrastructure um, as, like, something I want to do going forward. And those are pretty sort of neutral, positive things that Republicans can run on. There wasn't a lot there for Democrats to jump on as negative. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. sure they will jump on a lot of things. There was plenty of fear mongering and yeah, race baiting. But for the most
2: part, I feel like it was it was safe. I think it's no. I think it'll be out of the news cycle in two days. I mean, yeah. the speech was a good. I mean, it was a good speech. It was like a decent speech. It was. I don't think it was like remarkably good. Um, I don't think you did anything crazy. They're not. I mean, I don't think. It, with this president and this administration and this White House, like, I, I mean, keep in mind that, like, he gave a speech in the same format to the same group of people a year ago. And people after that speech, and that one was a little bit, if I remember correctly, it was, like, a little bit more rough, divisive and sort of edgy than this one was, so yeah. to speak. But, I mean, people afterwards were like, oh, you know, Donald, this is the day It's now is kind of a joke among liberals. Like, today is the day Donald Trump became president he you know, was very kind of poised and um, and look, look at the look at the year that has transpired since right, that exactly. time. Um, so no, I don't think. I mean, I think the agenda setting thing is a plausible argument, um, but I think the more liberal parts of his speech will be just ignored by mainstream conservatives, um, and I think it won't change much of anything, to be honest with you, except for maybe his poll numbers for like a week. So. All right.
1: Well. Thank you for tuning in to our, our first field pod, bonus pod.
2: Um, Extra pod, pod on the go, Tide pod. How about a
1: clever name for what we should call these, these podcasts that we don't do on a regular schedule? You can always email us at stanfordpoliticspodcast at gmail.com uh, or tweet at us
2: at s underscore p underscore podcast. Yeah, hit us up on social media, guys. Yeah. We're taking over Twitter. We're still working on getting that verified blue check. I <laughs> uh, believe we Very got soon. our ninth yes. follower <laughs> this week. So that's big news. Okay. Damn. Um, I think like three of them are like. The <laughs> <largest of mine. laughs> so so stay fine. tuned. We have really cool stuff in the pipeline for the podcast this quarter. And we're excited to bring you more fantastic content from Palo Alto, California. <laughs> Nah, nah, nah.